This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday, November 4th. This is episode 271. I am Dan Ellis and I am all by myself in the studio today because, as you may have noticed, I said that it is Monday. It's not Thursday. Uh, Thursday was Halloween and Matt and Ryan were off doing Halloween-y things and I was here at the house doing not much Halloween-y things, <laughs> just kind of puttering around the house. Like we had two people like not two groups but two people stopped by the house this halloween there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uh, foot traffic for trick-or-treaters at the end of my cul-de-sac here where i live which is fine i mean i'd like to see more kids out and about see them in their cute little costumes and stuff but uh that is not how things are here at my house so i wanted to do this episode by myself i would have done it earlier in the week but Life happens and got in the way, so I was not able to do that. But I wanted to do this episode so that we could do some housekeeping and just kind of update you guys on everything that's going on lately and get to some things, like I said, through housekeeping that we haven't been able to keep up with lately. So let's jump into that, shall we? First up, I uh, wanted to just mention that my sister's birthday would have been last week. She Her birthday is October 29th or was October 29th, I should say. Uh, she died a while ago, uh, in 2012 from complications due to bladder cancer. She'd spent, uh, the latter half of her life, more than half of her life, basically committing passive suicide. She didn't take care of herself after shooting herself in the chest and almost dying. And there's a whole big long story behind that. Anyway, I posted that out on Facebook, if anybody is interested in that. And so around this time of year, it's always a mixed bag. You know, I think about all of my other family members and of course her and, but primarily of course, the people who are still around and dealing with not having her around anymore, I guess would be fair to say. Uh, everybody of course handles things differently. And I've said a few times on the show that everybody's weird about death. We're all just weird about it in our own special ways. Uh, I think probably a lot of my other family members think I'm a little weird about it because I think going to cemeteries and getting headstones and visiting graves and all that kind of stuff is, uh, for me at least, a pointless waste of time. I would much rather go somewhere or even just sit where I am or stand where I am and think about the nice memories I have of different loved ones who have passed away. And, you know, years after my sister's death, it's nice that I can look back now and have mostly fond memories of when we were younger. Of course, that's, that's a mixed bag as well. I mean, she was pretty much always kind of a shit. Even when we were little, she was a shit. <laughs> but later in life, she developed some pretty severe mental health issues and was 
a real terror to try to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, one of the few things that I have to give my father kudos for is, uh, after my sister moved back to Utah from Washington, where she was living with her, uh, ex-boy or not ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, she basically got married, moved to Washington, um, and then they got divorced. She moved back here and was a paraplegic and from when she had tried to kill herself earlier by shooting herself in the chest, bullet bounced around uh, everywhere, caused a lot of internal damage and ended up lodged in her spine, uh, basically making just, just right about her waistline down, uh, numb. So she couldn't move and was in a wheelchair and because of her mental health issues, um, like I said, was a real terror to kind of try to deal with. And I have to give my father credit for taking her in and having her live with him the remaining years of her life. And then she ended up dying of, like I said, bladder cancer. Uh, she was diagnosed with the bladder cancer. And I think when she heard that she had bladder cancer, probably felt that that was a big relief because she knew that then she was just going to die from that anyway. Uh, didn't seek any treatment for it, knew that she had it, of course, and just kind of let herself go, let, let the cancer run its course and end her life that way. So it's been, I don't know, it's been a weird couple weeks, but uh, looking forward to the holidays. We always have family come into town and stay with us. We've also got some uh, some other friends who will be traveling into town. Uh, hopefully we can get at least one of them on the show here in the next couple of months or within the next couple of months. What else? Um, I got a new five wood. I was pretty excited about that. Played well enough this year that I had enough money from my winnings on the books at the pro shop, uh, that I was able to order a new five wood. I think it's, yeah, it is. It was the last wood club in my bag that I haven't replaced since I bought or had given to me different clubs over the years. Uh, the five wood that it's replacing is more than 20 years old. I figured out earlier today. I knew it was around 20. I think when I figured it out earlier, it was 24, 25 years old. So that's, that's a big improvement over what I had in the bag. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Halloween, like I said, was pretty mad this year. Uh, we didn't go to any parties or anything. I didn't really feel like dressing up in a costume or putting makeup on and doing the whole thing and getting out and we had a bunch of stuff around the house that we need to do, getting ready for family members to come in for the holidays. So pretty much did that. I fixed some blinds in the basement, one of the basement bedrooms uh, where we have guests stay. Uh, also fixed a threshold between our entryway and the kitchen that was torn up, I think like two years ago. And I just had never gotten around to fixing it because I figured it was going to be a giant pain in the ass. And the fix that I came up with was actually fairly simple. It's not, I think, a permanent fix, but it looks much better than it did before. So we'll have to see how that goes and how long it will hold out. The faucet is still leaking. I need to get that fixed before the holidays roll around. And then I found out that one of my light switches uh, is broken. It's one of my uh, internet-connected Wi-Fi light switches. And it just stopped working. So I got to figure out what the deal is there. Um, I'm going to be interviewed by the fabulous Jack Materko from the Infernal Use 
only blog, for infernal use only blog out on Patheos and one of the hosts of the Naked Diner podcast. He'll be interviewing me for the newly launched TST TV. Uh, that interview will be in a couple days on Wednesday. I'm not sure when it will be available, but I will be sure to let you all know when it's out, which, which also reminds me, uh, Lucian Greaves had contacted me, gosh, it seems like it was a few months ago now about, uh, new, new things that they were going to be launching through TST. One of them was a blog or kind of news outlet. And he contacted me and asked if I was interested in uh, providing some content for that from time to time. And I said, yes. And he said, great, I'll send you some more info, info about it. And I never saw that. So I should look back through my email and see if I missed that somehow. So you may look forward to some writings from me out on the TST website. Um, lastly, oh, no, there's this other thing that's so I, ha I have this list of notes and shit that I'm supposed to go over and read while we're doing the show. And I often skip over different parts or I forget different parts. One of the things that has been on the list forever is that I was listening to a Mormon themed or Mormon related podcast a while ago. And the host was doing kind of an AMA thing where one of the audience members asked him, you know, they were wondering what his current spiritual or religious beliefs are now. Uh, after he had left the LDS church and the person asking the question, I think they phrased it in the, in the manner of speaking something along the lines of, so I've, you know, that they had noticed that when a lot of people leave the LDS church, they typically don't join other religions. Uh, I think they mentioned that most people who leave the LDS church end up becoming atheists. And he wondered why that was the case. And if the host of this other show that I was listening to is a member of any other organized religion and the host's response, I thought was pretty good. Uh, he basically just said, I didn't spend the last 40 years escaping Alcatraz to turn myself into San Quentin. Of course, referring to leaving one type of religion that, that basically makes you its prisoner and turning yourself in to another religion who's going to do the same. So I thought that was pretty good. Lastly, uh, I'm, I've been thinking about doing kind of a godless revolution, ask me anything or ask us anything episode where you listeners can call in and ask us questions or submit them to us on our various media outlets where you can ask us anything that you would like. And we will answer any question posed to us as truthfully and honestly as we can. There are, there are very, very few limitations on that. And if you happen to run up against one, we will let you know, but I just don't know if what, what the audience interest is in that. So if you're interested in that, please send us an email, tweet at us, leave us a comment here and let us know your thoughts on that. And we would schedule it. I think, you know, at least far enough out in the distance or on the horizon that we can gather some uh, good questions and set a date and time where people can actually call into the show and, and speak with us live. I think that might be fun. There might be some interest for that or in that, but I'm not sure. So write in and let us know if you are indeed interested in us doing that. Uh, got some more housekeeping stuff for you on the other side of this break. Stick around. Hi, this is Christine Stenquist with Truce, together for responsible use in cannabis education. If you're interested in medical cannabis in Utah, follow us on our social media. 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truce Utah. If you're interested in donating to our awesome nonprofit, go to truceutah.org. And thank you so much for listening to the Godless Revolution podcast. So does this theory of evolution necessarily mean that there is no God? No, of course not. It just says that God is an impotent nothing from nowhere with less power than the Undersecretary of Agriculture who has very little power in our system. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so we're going to do some listener, or well, I guess I'm going to do some listener feedback stuff. And uh, maybe it's we, because you're out there in listening land, and you're going to be a part of this experience with me. So we'll do this together, shall we? Uh, First up, I have a few different messages from Jonathan Ariola. We have played some other clips or voice messages that he has sent us in the past. He sent us this, or, or called and left this for us on October 12th at 7.36 a.m. So he must have been doing it while he was on his way to work and figured he'd give us a call. Uh, let's see what he has to say. Hello, everybody. Jonathan Ariola here. Um, I was listening to a different podcast that was talking about uh, this book called The Friendship Cure. Essentially, it was some lady that got down the rabbit hole, found a bunch of research on loneliness and isolation and how negative it can affect people, both their mental health, uh, physical health, and stuff like that. That's kind of that's kind of funny. It reminds me, it seems like I saw something on Facebook recently where somebody had posted a headline that said something like, uh, elderly, elderly people who are lonely feel alone or something like that. Just, it was a, one of those weird, funny headlines. And it kind of drew a couple dots here where one of the only good things that I can think of that churches can offer people is that sense of community. You get together, you see people, yada, yada. Okay. Social support. Um, the rest is all bullshit, but still there's that, that positive network. (laughs) The rest of it is all bullshit. Yes, absolutely. There and leaving a church because there's a lot more nuns that don't have any sort of affiliation. Catholic church is a pile of shit. Um, Mormon church fucking hates everybody. So you leave, <laughs> but then you lose that community sense. And then where do you go? And so that loneliness and isolation is really high. Um, you know, there's things like the Oasis network, Oasis network, not the crazy Christian one, but the, the, the cool one, um, where they kind of recreate that community sense minus the bullshit. And it's, it, that's pretty neat. Um, uh, there are some things that are out there as a response to that. But for those that don't go in that direction, you know, what option do you have? And so you reach out to stuff on Facebook. But a lot of people, especially according to that uh, interview with Lux's book, just kind of scroll through shit, and they don't really make intimate connections. And so what happens is that, you know, you start posting a bunch of political things about this, that, or the other, and you get farther and farther down that rabbit hole as a means by which to find a tribe. And so your tribalism, the left and the right, or the far left and alt-right, and it becomes worse and worse as the individual goes. And so... My wonder then is that perhaps the increase of nuns might also increase the number of people who are looking for support. So like during a period of time, if you went on YouTube, being a fresh atheist, when you type in atheism, you would get a lot of shit posters, like 
Sargon, and that's the only one I can remember off hand. But people <laughs> like that, because there was conspiracy theory all, all over the place. Flat earthers, for fuck's sake. Um, and they would go in that direction. And so it seems like society is kind of going a little nuts lately. And perhaps, perhaps it might be associated with that increase of none. That isn't to say that people, just because they bail on their religions, are fundamentally, like, bad people. It's just that human beings stuck at certain types of thought processes, Bayesian logic, for example. And just because they left doesn't mean they're still not susceptible to bullshit. Um, so... And that's where the message cut off because there's a three-minute time limit on those. But I think you may be touching on a, a fundamental truth there, which is that as people leave their religions behind, they also leave those societal and communal uh, constructs behind them and become kind of outcasts of the previous communities with which they had they sh they shared fellowship, right? That they would go to Sunday service with, that they would talk to at, at various religious or church functions. And I think that is a big problem. It's something that we uh, have tried to address. Uh, we, speaking of secularists in general, atheists more specifically, atheists of Utah, very specifically, um, it's something that they and we have tried to address in the past. And, and it's an ongoing effort. I mean, you know, atheists of Utah and American Atheists, all, all of these other secular organizations do try to organize uh, different events for people to attend. And and it's a mix of types of events, right? Like Atheists of Utah has coffee chats. They have godless drinks or godless cocktails. Yeah, godless cocktails. Jesus Christ. They have godless cocktails. They do um, volunteer activities. Uh, you know, I, I signed us up for an adopt-a-highway thing where we can go and clean up a section of State Street. There's volunteering at Planned Parenthood that they do. Uh, they also volunteer at like the the food bank and the road home and and a bunch of you know there's a ton of different volunteer activities that they do. They participate in the pride festivals. We used to have quarterly parties and those became a bit of a problem as more and more people were leaving religion and identifying as atheists and seeking community. That's all wonderful. That's that's fantastic. I was so excited and happy to see that. But the problem that we then had was that as more and more people started coming to our quarterly parties, the group of people who were attending the parties got large enough that we couldn't host them at somebody's home. You know, it used to be that when the group was much smaller, uh, we would just, you know, have a have a quarterly party at somebody's home and we'd rotate that around. I, I held a few at my house. There were other members who uh, would allow us to host the parties at their house. Then as the group got larger uh, and we couldn't fit in everybody into a single house, we had to start looking at different locations that we could rent, which of course costs more money and it takes more work to line all of that up and sign contracts. And then there's legal liabilities. And every now and then, of course, when you have a large group of people, there's bound to be somebody who ends up drinking too much, who gets out of hand, who causes a scene. There's some kind of drama. There's some thing that makes it not an ideal uh, event for a nonprofit, particularly a non-religious or secular nonprofit in a very religious state 
to have going on at one of their parties, right? So then it became a liability and we had to examine, is this something that we want to continue uh, going forward? Because the, the venue rental costs a lot of money. Feeding people at these events costs a lot of money. And everybody seemed really excited to go. The problem that we had was that not a lot of people seemed excited to help fund the things to make the thing go. And that's another thing that's really tricky and difficult about trying to organize yourselves around secularism and the idea of, you know, not being convinced that any God or gods exist is that a lot of people leave their, their religious life behind a religious life in which they had to, you know, there was, there was compulsory tithing from, from members of the church. They would pass around an offering plate or, you know, you'd have uh, deacons, if you were LDS, you'd have little Mormon boys come and visit your house asking you for your tithing every month. And so that was a thing we had to deal with. Sorry for the beeping there. I just received a notification. Anyway, uh, it's it, it, it became untenable for us because we did, you know, the, the organization didn't have the funds available to rent a venue four times a year to host a party where we would buy food and, you know, people would bring their own drinks and stuff. But it just, it became too unmanageable with the funding that we had available. And so we had to cut out the quarterly parties, which was sad, but it was also just a reality that we had to deal with that not enough people were contributing in order to, to continue the parties. And then they just every now and then would turn into a shit show at the end. And then that created not just, uh, an appearance of a, a negative appearance that we would have to deal with, you know, negative press that we would have to deal with, but also then it turned into real legal liability for an organization. And that was something that, again, because of the limited funding and resources that we had available, just wasn't something that we could realistically continue doing going forward, which is sad. Um, you know, I, I don't know about the broader listening audience out there, but, uh, one of the things that I do as a secular person is continue contributing to, uh, secular organizations. And I kind of view it as my secular tithing, right? I, I donate, uh, a, a fair amount of money to, <laughs> to various, uh, atheist and secular organizations. Uh, a lot of national ones, a lot of local ones, and a lot of just individual people who are out doing good in the name of secularism. And I would greatly encourage our listening members or our our audience to do the same thing. I mean, I, I know not everybody can afford to spend or donate a whole lot of money to to organizations, but because, you know, because they're dealing with their lives on a, on a daily basis and this kind of fucked up world we're in where we just keep going down for most working people while the fat cats get richer and richer. And we've been dealing with trickle down economics for decades now, and it's made the rich richer and the poor poorer, and more people are working more hours for less pay. And it's becoming increasingly difficult for people just to manage their own day-to-day -day responsibilities for their own selves, let alone contributing money to other organizations. So it's rough. It's, it's something that we have to approach. Uh, you know, we, we have to take a lot of different angles on trying to fix this problem. Um, voting in politicians who will do what they can 
to pass laws and, and more regulation around the disparity in pay between those at the top and those at the bottom, increase um, entitlement. I, I don't I don't like the term entitlements because it's some it, they, it has a negative connotation, but increasing funding for social programs and doing what we can to help those who are not as economically fortunate as others. And I'm doing what I can, but there've been a lot of expenses around here lately that I've been having to deal with and money's pretty tight now, which is not good, especially with the thought of the holidays right around the corner and the idea that I may soon be working without pay again here coming up very soon because the continuing resolution runs out at the end of this month, right around the end of this month. I believe on the 20th or 21st of November, the continuing resolution for funding the government will expire. And I'm greatly concerned that the fucking moron in the White House is going to shut down the government again. And there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. I will just have to continue working and hope that eventually the government will reopen and I will get paid. But in the meantime, I won't have any income coming in, which really fucking sucks, especially around the holidays. So. I think with all the impeachment stuff swirling and everything, he's going to use it as a cudgel to try to get people uh, to get the Democrats in the House and Senate to do what he wants them to do. And it's just it's it's fucked, man. He's he's he can't leave office soon enough for me. And so let's just let's move on to the second part of Jonathan's message, shall we? Hey, part two. Um, so all that being said about the the people finding shit on the internet and becoming more isolated and lonely and radicalization, even to the point where they disassociate with the people around them because nobody fits their bill of what they need to attach to because they've become as radicalized as they have, you know, uh, odd example. But when I was an atheist originally, my first bit, you know, I was lucky enough that the first place that I landed was ask an atheist. Um, and it was a supportive structure by which for me to attach to and, and kind of learn what atheism is and does. And God, that's like seven years ago, nine years ago, whatever. But I was lucky in that sense, also having some toot my own horn ability to check some bullshit. So, you know, the whole YouTube shit posters never appealed. You're very fortunate because I've known a lot of people who got sucked down the YouTube shit posters rat hole and got rat fucked by the rat hole. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a lot of them eventually came out of it. Some of them have just gotten worse. There's an old friend and guest of the show, somebody that we'd had on the show several times. And I can't say a whole lot about it. Uh, because of reasons that I probably shouldn't even say either, but I, there's, there's somebody who I considered a friend for quite a while who has started to go down that road. And I don't know it's, it's disheartening and sad to see it happen. And I wish things were different, but they're also looking for a system of support and being lonely being cast out of the secular world uh on a more wider on a on a wider basis they didn't have many avenues to try to 
seek community and friendship and fellowship with people and have now decided that they're going to swallow the red pill and head down that path, which is, I don't know, it's sad and I'm really fucking angry about it, but there's not a lot I can do about it. And I understand this person just needs support and they're getting that wherever they can, but I don't know. I was holding out hope that they were a better person than that. And apparently they're not a lot of you. I'm, you guys are all smart. You probably know who I'm talking about, but if not, you can send me a private message and maybe I'll talk to you about it. But I can't really say a whole lot more about that publicly. But anyway, let's continue with Jonathan's message. Um, but now that if, if that's the case, if the disassociation becomes so much that they become violent, that might possibly explain some of the uptick in violence that we've seen on people just going apeshit and shooting people. Somebody smoking pot. I should. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing you were out somewhere and smelled a skunk or, or something that smelled a little skunky. Smell it. Probably in their car. Cause I'm on the road. Oh, damn. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Uh, and it makes organizations like atheists of Utah and, um, the Oasis Network so fucking important because it turns into the landing pad that you can find or podcasts like Godless Revolution that allows people to find something that they can attach to, to find that sense of community in a way that isn't toxic because there is a lot of grossness out there when it comes to places to land after you're no longer part of your church. And I really am glad that y'all are involved as much as you are in the general community sense. And I guess that as like a call to action to audience, you've got to join these things. Yes, you do. You do have to join secular organizations and you do have to contribute to them monetarily because they have a lot of expense. I mean, even, you know, atheists of Utah is an all volunteer organization, but there are still a lot of expenses that they have to cover. They have to cover, you know, things like web hosting storage for all of the materials that we take around to all of the different events and stuff, you know, our tables and chairs and banners and fucking buckets of rocks to weigh down the, the, the canopies that they set up at, at, different events and, you know, shirts and t-shirts and buttons and all of the merchandise that they sell. They need somewhere to store all of that. So they got to rent a storage place. They need a, a address where you can send physical mail to. So they've got to pay for a PO box. There are a lot of different things. They've, they've got to pay for a business license every year. I mean, there's a lot of, oh, I'm, you know, and there are a ton of things that I'm not able to list off the top of my head, but there are a lot of background expenses that I'm sure people outside of any organizing, uh, effort or, or company or branding, anything don't really realize or have a lot of knowledge about, but there are significant costs, even for a nonprofit organization with an all volunteer staff, there are a lot of things that have to be paid for. And that's over and above, you know, purchasing things for the actual events that you're hosting. So yes, I highly encourage people to get involved and donate when and where they can. How to support these things? Because if what I'm saying makes sense 
And if it's potentially accurate, which I think it might be, but again, not a scientist, didn't research this shit. I'm just listening to this stuff, drawing dots on a freaking static television screen. <laughs> that it makes it that much more important to be a part of these things. And if we don't, as a community, attach our... And the message cut off, so we've got one more from Jonathan Ariel. Let's play that one. Part three. God, I need to <laughs> get better at this. If we don't attach ourselves to organizations like Oasis, like Atheist of Utah, or whatever your local chapter is, Atheist Republic, something that has a positive outlook on bringing people together and trying to cause beneficial change in your society and build that community, then I kind of think that we're leaving ourselves susceptible to those gross outside influence, places that are misogynistic, places that are racist, places that are, are violent, um, that even though we'd like to think of ourselves as logical human being, the thing is, is that you might be that now, but you weren't always. And when you are fresh out of, uh, fresh leaving church, you know, you probably could have landed in a bad spot and been a completely different person than you are today. And that's absolutely true. And I think it's also important to note that not all atheist organizations are, are cut from the same cloth, I should say. There are a few atheist organizations that I absolutely won't have anything to do with. Um, because, you know, atheism, when, when you say that you're an atheist, that answers one question, right? And it's basically the simplest question in the world is, do you believe or not believe in a God or gods? If you answer, yes, you do, then you're a theist. If you answer no, then you're an atheist. It is a binary thing. You know, there, there's no, I might believe either you do or you don't. And if you don't, then you're an atheist. I know a lot of people don't like to use the word atheist. They'd rather call themselves an agnostic or a free thinker or a humanist or, you know, any of these various other, other terms. But really, when you boil it down to, do you believe in a god or gods? If you say no, then you're an atheist. And not all organizations, like I said, are, are the same. And there are a few that I personally don't want to do anything with or for because I think they're shitty organizations led by shitty people doing shitty things. Uh, a lot of that is, you know, around the, they don't want to be too PC. They, they, you know, still operate under the good old boys club kind of thing where it's just a bunch of racist, misogynist dickheads who were racist, misogynist dickheads while they were in church. They've left behind the church, but they still hold on to those other racist, shitty, misogynist, dickhead views that they had before. And it may be a while before they let those go. It may be the case that they never let them go. But uh, so there are a few organizations run by people like that that I won't deal with. So it's not it's not exclusively a religious problem. I think a lot of the problems that we're talking about here, though, are or do stem from religious upbringing and, re and religious teaching and religious thought. And it's sad to me and a bit ironic that the people who leave those religions behind often don't leave behind a lot of the shitty thinking that comes from religious indoctrination. And that's one of the reasons why you need to start these things. Um, 
Camp Quest Northwest or Southwest or any of the Camp Quests in general is a great place to be because it provides that community. It, it, it is that safe landing pad where you can continue to develop as a good person. And not only that, by supporting Atheist of Utah, Oasis Network, Camp Quest, you're allowing other people to find them too. And that is a definite benefit to being a supportive or supporter of those things. And supporting your podcast, goddammit. <laughs> because this is that public face. This is the thing that people find. I found um, Ask an Atheist was my first. And that was great. And had it not existed, I, I don't know where I would have landed. I might have been somewhere else. And maybe not as good of a person as I am now. Because people are shaped by their environment. And by building that kind of environment that helps build people up. That's how we progress and turn what is a generational trend of more and more nuns into a wave of decent fucking human beings who can shed their religious ideology and focus on trying to make a real fucking difference instead of just thoughts and prayers. Okay. That's 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 all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for calling in and leaving us messages, Jonathan. I really appreciate your thoughts and insight on this. And I think I agree with you 100% on everything you've just said. So thank you very much. We have some more feedback coming up on the other side of this little break. Aloha, everybody. This is Nico Gonzalez, former Jehovah's Witness and a content producer for the Conversations with God podcast. Be on the lookout for my own show coming soon called If I Was God. You're listening to the Godless Revolution. What are we talking about here? You want us to launch a cryptocurrency? I do. The fact that people are willing to pay many multiples more for our compute credits than they're worth, we have an opportunity here. Worth is relative, Richard. What do you mean? Why do people covet the silly pieces of green cotton paper in their wallets? It's because we are all sheep, and we've mutually agreed to endow certain things with value. And right now, for some reason, the market values our credits more than we did. Guilfoyle, we're not going to suddenly pivot and become a digital currency company. I'm not proposing a pivot. I'm proposing that we sell digital currency as a way to finance our new internet company. You wanted an alternative to Lori Bream? Well, it's right here in front of you. Pied Piper Coin. Okay, look, I, I'm not going to bet the entire future of my new internet and everything I've worked for on becoming the next... Bitcoin? You really expect me to do that? There are very few things that I will defend with true passion. Medical marijuana, the biblical Satan as a metaphor for rebellion against tyranny, and motherfucking goddamn cryptocurrency. Mm. I have a PowerPoint that I've been wanting to show you for some time. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Welcome back! Little do you know, there's been some time that has passed, because I keep fucking up while I'm trying to record here all by my lonesome. I, the thing I do sometimes when we're recording, where I click a track, that is short, and then I start recording, 
and talking and not really paying attention to what's being recorded. And then I realize, oh fuck, the recording stopped a certain time ago because I clicked on a track that was shorter than the amount of time that I'm now speaking. And it just stopped at that point. I, I've done that a couple times. So let's try that again. We'll try this again. I, I, I made sure that I'm not going to fuck this one up apparently or so I think. Anyway, we've got an email from Tyson McCauley. You may remember him as a guest on the show for episode 258. He sent an email that says, hello again, Dan. I listened to the debate. You, I listened to the debate you had not too long ago, and I wanted to say you did very well. Well, thank you very much, Tyson. I appreciate that. Uh, the points you made were strong and coherent. I do wish it had had a slightly more friendly tone. I don't mean from you. Dr. Clark did sound rather angry in the beginning and talked over your opponents throughout, which undermined his likability with the audience. And that is pretty much the universal feedback that I have received about the debate. And there's an argument to be made that, you know, being an angry atheist isn't a bad thing necessarily, right? That you can use uh, the anger that comes that comes from leaving a lifetime of indoctrination and lies and using that to your advantage to help motivate you to do, to do different things. And it's a justifiable anger for sure. I think what happens though, in some circumstances, I, and the debate being one of them is that that isn't necessarily the best time or place to unleash that anger on an unsuspecting crowd of people who are there to hear you know, a good argument either on either side of the, the prospect of whether a God or gods exist. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a good thing to use and other times it's not. And I think in this particular instance, it, it just didn't, it didn't translate very well or, or, or didn't, didn't really help to forward the debate and, and make it something that, I think a lot of people would be more inclined to listen to in the future, but it, it does come definitely from, uh, a, a, a space of justified anger for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, continuing on with the email, you, however, did very well, especially when you answered the question regarding what makes life valuable. Well, thank you very much. It's clear from this debate, how difficult and rare and honest back and forth can be. The first speaker, I don't recall his name. Uh, that was Jeff Durbin. I believe he was the one who spoke first. Uh, anyway, the email continues and says that the first speaker also poisoned the well in the opening statement, knowing that atheists tend to make arguments emphasizing evidence and reduction of harm. Anyway, I wish I could have been there, and if you participate in another debate, I'll try to make it. Well done, sir, and best of luck out there. Tyson, a.k.a. Captain Samples. Thank you very much, Tyson. I appreciate the feedback. And like I say, it is, it is pretty much the feedback that I have received universally about that. And, uh, you know, I, I've tried to explain how and why a lot of the anger from Dr. Clark came to be, uh, particularly on that night and, and leading up to the debate. It just didn't translate very well. And it's, that's a regrettable thing, but it, it is what it is. Jesus, it is what it is. And, uh, Hopefully people can see past that going forward, but I, I doubt it. I mean, I, there are a lot of people who will be watching that that don't listen to the show to hear that don't listen to this show that will hear a lot of the explanation behind that anger. So it's an unfortunate thing, but like I say, it is what it is. 
Uh, next up, we have a couple more voicemail messages. Uh, the first one that I'm going to play, I thought was, was kind of funny, uh, for a couple different reasons. I'll explain those reasons on the other side of listening to it. Yeah. Hello. This is Mr. Mackey. Okay? I was listening to your podcast, the Godless Revolution podcast. And I, I think what you're doing is bad. You shouldn't do it because it's bad. If you keep doing it, then you're bad and you don't want to be bad. Go to the bad place, all the druggies, okay? Just wanted to tell you that today, okay? Don't be a Debbie Downer. No one likes a Debbie Downer, okay? <laughs> so when I first heard that message, I thought for sure that it had to have been somebody just kind of crank calling us right after. I figured, well, maybe some Christian out there has seen or heard the debate and figured that they would uh, reach out and contact the show and and, you know, just have a little bit of fun. And then I looked at the phone number from where this message originates and realized that it is a uh, Hawaii area code. And the first thought that I had when I saw that it was a Hawaii area code was that, oh, well, that was probably from Nico. And I was absolutely right, as I found out in the next message that Nico left for us. Dan, Matt, and Ryan, what's up? Nico Gonzalez again. Um, first of all, I hope you enjoyed my South Park parody that I called in with a couple of days ago. Secondly, I wanted to say... And I did indeed enjoy it very much. Thank you. I've, I've always thought Mr. Mackey was pretty funny. To say I had some uh, rebuttals for the debate. I just finished listening to it. Uh, in the question and answer portion, someone asked about death and mortality, and someone else asked... Um, something along the lines in regards to uh, miracles not being on demand. Uh, both of those are factually incorrect. Thank you. I believed that they were factually incorrect when they said that they're not just on demand and whatever, because I, I can remember reading different biblical passages that say that, you know, if, if, if you want something, you know, you can, you can move mountains through the power of belief and prayer. And certainly you wouldn't figure that that was, strictly metaphor because they talk about miracles all over the place in the Bible. Uh, even the Bible says that nothing happens after we die. Ecclesiastes 9.5, for the dead know that they are conscious of nothing and they have no reward because all memory of them has been forgotten. And then as far as miracles, yeah. when they're not, quote, on demand, as the apologist said, Matthew 18, verse 20, for when two or more are gathered in my name, anything they ask for will be given to them. So. In, re in response to Dr. Clark's um, request to drink poison, if the two apologists had just prayed that they wouldn't be harmed by the, po the poison, the antifreeze, then it would have happened. Um, and and I think that's what a lot of uh, Christians actually believe. You know, there's the not the Episcopals, not the Evangelicals, the not the Protestants, not the, I can't think of, I can't think of off the top of my head right now because I'm having a brain cramp, which per Pentecostal, there we go. Yes, there it happened. It, it was a breakthrough moment for me. My mind unlocked itself. Uh, the Pentecostals are the ones I believe who are the snake handlers. If I'm wrong, somebody please let me know, but I, I believe I'm correct on that. They're the ones who handle poisonous snakes for, because of this whole passage in the Bible. Uh, anyway, let's continue with the mess with the voicemail. But it just 
goes to show the powerlessness of their worldview and what they base their lives on. Anyways, um, hope you guys are well. Really enjoyed the debate. Dan, you did great. Dr. Clark was a little overly emotional, a little angry, but overall, <laughs> I think his points and your points were both very well. Anyways, have a great one. Bye, guys. Well, thank you very much, Nico. Like I say, that is that there's just another, you know, bit of an anecdotal evidence of the types of feedback that I'm that I'm getting. And like I say, it is it is pretty much a universal reaction that people didn't necessarily cotton to Dr. Clark's uh, fiery, fiery protestations on the stage. Um, but, you know, it, that's that's how he feels and that's i think justified i just it just didn't translate very well or or maybe wasn't the right time to take that particular approach i think um i've got a couple more things uh brandy hamrick recently posted an update this is from october 30th on her gofundme it says i restart chemo this friday I've been waiting for insurance approval for three weeks for one of the new meds. We're moving forward without that med because the insurance is still denying it. This med costs $49,000 per dose. Jesus Christ. And I need two doses per month. $100,000 per month for a single medication. God damn. The insurance company would rather I die than approve that drug, so they deny coverage for it and hold up my treatment until my doc and I agree that we need to move on without it until something can be done. This is part of the problem with the healthcare industry here in the United States. It is an industry that's a it's a bunch of companies trying to fucking make money off of be off of people being sick. And that in and of itself is sick. It's fucking twisted and wrong on so many different levels. I'm so sorry this is happening, Brandy. It's just fucking bullshit. And our our entire system of healthcare in the United States is fucking broken. I received an email, or not an email, an actual letter in the mail uh, last week from our regular GP, our, our general practitioner. Uh, apparently, and this... <laughs> This really fucking made me mad. I should, I'll have the letter or I'll try to remember to have the letter available for when we record uh, this week, the, the other regular episode of the show. But basically I received a letter in the mail from my GP saying that they could no longer be my GP because my insurance company, uh, will no longer pay for their services. They're, they're no longer on the list of doctors that my insurance company will provide payment for. So when I hear people say that they want to have their choice and they don't want to have their, their regular healthcare taken away from them or their doctor taken away from them through some government program, well, that's fucking bullshit. It happens all the fucking time anyway, right fucking now with the system we have. You don't like your health insurance provider. You like your doctors. You want to be able to continue seeing the same doctors. I mean, this is going to cause a huge bit of problem for me. As as Tracy and I get older and we have, you know, various maintenance things that we have to go in for to see the doctor for, go in for our regular oil checks or whatever, There there are things that now we have to find another doctor. When we found the doctor that we have or had until recently, 
it took us a couple months to actually find a decent doctor that we wanted to go see. And now, because the insurance company doesn't want to pay this particular doctor, they're no longer going to be on their preferred list of providers. We can't go see this fucking doctor anymore, which is fucking bullshit. It makes me so goddamn mad. Now we've got to find another doctor, hopefully somebody who is accept, you know, of course it's got to be somebody who is accepting new patients. A lot of the doctors that are around these days have a full caseload. They have a full roster of patients. They have enough patients that they can't accept any more patients because they can't set up any more appointments throughout the day. And so we've got to find a doctor that is accepting new patients. And then we've got to get all of our medical records transferred over to this new doctor. Then we've got to set up appointments with this new doctor to go over our medical history. Uh, Tracy is on a bunch of different medications that now she has to find a doctor right away because she needs to get these prescriptions refilled, which means that she has to go and get a new prescription from a new doctor. But first we have to find the doctor, schedule an appointment, go in, then she's got to get the prescriptions. Then she's got to go. It's just, it's fucking nonsense. I don't want to hear this bullshit about, oh, well, you know, most Americans really love their healthcare the way it is. And they love their healthcare providers. They like their doctors, the nurses, the, the clinics and the hospitals that they go to. They don't fucking love their insurance plan. Insurance plans are fucking garbage. I spend between myself and my employer, we spend over $2,000 a month, a month just paying for insurance that doesn't include the deductibles and the co-pays nothing nothing that's just the premiums to have insurance to say that i have insurance that i'm covered i have i have health coverage in case there's some catastrophic event in my life or if i just need to go in for routine maintenance and health checks i i have an insurance plan that then I have to deal with all the bullshit of, oh, well, you've got this much in copay and then you haven't met all of your deductibles. So this, this much that the doctor has billed is your responsibility and we'll send you a bit. It's just, it's broken and it's fucking ridiculous and a nightmare to have to deal with. And that's for somebody who doesn't have currently a catastrophic health problem like Brandy. And I'm so sorry that this is happening to you because it's nonsense. It's something that we need to move past. Speaking of moving past, we'll move, we'll move past that. It's just, it's just, it fucking enrages me that this kind of shit happens every goddamn day. And you have Republicans saying, oh no, people don't want to, they don't want a government run program. They don't want, they don't want to not have to deal with this and they don't want their taxes to go up. Making all of these fallacious, shitty arguments against it really fucking drives me nuts. Ah, sorry. Last up. Uh, I have this story that I just saw today and I thought it was Im important to mention to everybody just as something at least to keep an eye on because it's frightening and terrifying and also maybe one more arrow in the quiver to use against Donald Trump and his entire corrupt administration and family. But I saw earlier today a headline. Uh, this comes from the Daily Mail. It says White House calls Claim that Jared Kushner gave Saudi ruler permission to arrest Jamal Khashoggi before journalist was killed and dismembered false nonsense. And if true, this story is just horrific. Uh, the story says that a White House official dismissed as false nonsense Monday a claim that Jared Kushner gave permission to Saudi ruler Mohammed bin Salman to arrest Jamal Khashoggi before he was killed and dismembered. That claim was made in a report in Cockburn Gossip column of the U.S. edition of British conservative news magazine The Spectator. The report also claimed that Turkish intelligence intercepted the call and President Recep Erdogan 
then used the information to force Donald Trump to remove his troops from northern Syria. You all may be aware that Trump recently decided that he was going to pull troops out of Syria, abandon our allies, the Kurds there, and this would explain why he did that. People on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, were screaming at him that this was a mistake. This was a terrible idea. You're abandoning the the people who have helped us drive ISIS out of the area, the people who led to information and intel that recently killed the, the terrorists there. Uh, the report claims that investigators on the Democratic-led House Intelligence Committee are aware of these allegations and are planning to dig further into them while pursuing the impeachment inquiry over Trump's dealings with Ukraine. It also claims that the number of intelligence whistleblowers who have given or are willing to give evidence to the House Intelligence Committee's impeachment inquiry is seven, one of whom has made the claim about Kushner. However, it counts two of those whistleblowers as Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, the National Security Council's top Ukraine expert, and Tim Morrison, the NSC's Director for European and Russian Affairs, both of whom gave evidence under subpoena to the impeachment probe and, bo and who both listened to Trump's call to Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky. Morrison, however, testified that he was not concerned that the call contained anything illegal. Neither official is legally a quote-unquote whistleblower, unlike the initial complaint which went through the formal legal whistleblower process. That would leave three other whistleblowers, although the spectator acknowledged of its own report, quote, whether any of it is true is another matter, end quote. Khashoggi was a Washington Post columnist who at one point was considered close to the ruling Saudi royal family, but later became disillusioned by its powerful young prince. In October 2018, Khashoggi visited the Saudi consulate in, in Istanbul to sort documents before he was to be married to his Turkish fiance Hattis Cengiz? I'm sure I murdered that, sorry. Oh, terrible choice of words. I apologize. Uh, he never emerged. The Turkish government said it has evidence that Khashoggi was killed and his body was dismembered. The Central Intelligence Agency and other Western governments believe that bin Salman ordered Khashoggi's killing. In recent interviews with American media outlets, Bin Salman said he bears responsibility for the Khashoggi killing, quote, because it happened under my watch, end quote. But he denies ordering the murder. It happened under my watch, he told PBS. I get all the responsibility because it happened under my watch. After initial denials, the official Saudi narrative blamed the murder on rogue operatives. The public prosecutor said the then deputy intelligence chief ordered the reparation, the, the repatriation of Khashoggi, a royal insider who became an outspoken critic, but the lead negotiator offered him, ordered him killed after discussions for his return failed. Eleven Saudi suspects have been put on trial in secretive proceedings, but only a few hearings have been held. A United Nations report has called for Prince Mohammed and other senior Saudi officials to be investigated. The fallout from the killing has damaged the international reputation of the 33-year-old, and there have been rumors of a growing rift between him and his father, King Salman bin Abdulaziz al-Saud. Kushner, who is a top White House aide whose portfolio includes diplomatic relations with Saudi Arabia, has defended MBS. His ties with the Saudi prince have come under scrutiny after it was learned that the two communicated through text messages on WhatsApp. The Presidential Records Act prohibits senior White House officials from using non-official email or messaging accounts for government business. But her emails! 
Democrats in Congress have sent letters demanding that the White House provide documents about senior aides' use of private email and text services. The Trump administration has refused to condemn the Saudi prince despite its spy agencies saying he is responsible for Khashoggi's Khashoggi's death. Both Republicans and Democrats slammed Trump last month after he agreed to Erdogan's request to remove American forces from the northern Syria region, which shares a border with Turkey. Erdogan then sent Turkish troops into Kurdish-held areas of northern Syria, triggering a humanitarian crisis. The Republican president is under increasing pressure as the House of Representatives forges ahead with its investigation of whether Trump solicited help from Ukraine as he seeks re-election next year. Leaders of the Democratic-controlled House expect to begin public hearings in the next few weeks. The inquiry was launched on September 24th after a whistleblower complaint from the unidentified U.S. intelligence official who was concerned that the president's actions on Ukraine were illegal and jeopardized national security. And that's just nuts, man. But it would explain why Trump did what he did. I mean, a lot of the time you can't explain anything he does because it just seems completely insane and out of, out of, out of nowhere. But I think this could offer uh, an explanation for why he decided to pull troops out if he's being blackmailed by by Ukraine. So, so again, like I said, I don't know that this is necessarily true, but it's something I think we should keep an eye on because it could unlock the mysteries of a whole lot of other things that are going on under this administration. With that said, that will wrap things up for this evening. We'll be recording on Thursday, Matt Ryan and myself, a regular episode of the show. I wanted to get this out just to do some general housekeeping and put out some listener feedback that we had received. Also to ask you guys what you think about us doing a call-in show or an AMA type episode. So send us an email or tweet at us or leave us a voicemail message at 33081rebel and let us know what you think about that. Before we go, or before I go, I want to make sure that I thank our Patreon supporters because they are fantastic people, and they keep the show going. They are who allows us to pay for the bills that we have here, like hosting the show and buying beer and pizza and setting different stuff up and buying equipment and all that kind of stuff. And also, they keep you from having to listen to us do any ads on the show. That would be Alan Firth, Numania. Christy Kalbach, Gatheist, Stephen Andrus, Let Them Eat Kofefi, Two Skeptical Chaps, Vanessa, Don't Be a Richard, Nico Gonzalez, Ali Olson, Utah Outcasts, Wes Aaron, Andrew Vodapich, Jeremy Goodson, Brandy Hamrick, Megan Kennedy, Jesse Pointer, Bobby Digital, Freethinker215, and Ralph Wiggum support the National Abortion Federation. Me too. Janet Uter, Savita Kuna. Taylor Grin, Purple Dragon, Captain Samples, and Corey Ebert. Thank you all very, very much. I really appreciate your support. And so until next week, I'm going to go old school and tell you all, crucify that like button, leave a review to achieve nirvana, and rate the show five times a day toward Mecca. Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday, November 4th. That's right, I said Monday. I'm here in the studio all by myself. This is episode 271. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm going to start this fucking thing over again. God damn it. Oh, fuck. I just... God damn it. I fucking shit.